Senator McConnell stepping down from minority leader of the Senate of the U.S. Congress. And I think that's a good thing. Look, he's 82 years old. We need somebody else to come in. There's been some good things that he've done over time with, you know, Supreme Court justices. Hello, welcome to this week's Economy. I'm your host, Dr. Vance Gann. Thank you for joining me again today. Well, today is episode 50. Can you believe it? We're already at episode 50. Yeah, we got a lot to talk about. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the big tech Supreme Court cases that are going on. Fiscal commission, is it what it's good for? Sustainable budgets, Texas spending, school choice, and much more. So let's get right to it. In the national news, Supreme Court is hearing cases on content moderation by big tech companies, what they call big tech, where you have Twitter and Facebook or now Meta and, and YouTube and others. And they're saying, look, we need to have some sort of content moderation. There were bills that have been passed. One of those in Texas, where I live, where they're trying to put forth this issue. But you have Net Choice, which is a free market group that protects free speech and other things. And I think they're making the correct case that these state laws are unconstitutional. Sure, they may not go along with everything that we like, but at the same time, these are private institutions. They can make choices as they please. They are not common carriers, as some would argue, like telephones where one person's on a call, they can't just shut down your call based on what you're saying. However, if you're on their platform, that's a whole different ballgame. And so these aren't monopolies. They're not common carriers. And so I think that these these laws will be considered unconstitutional. And if you don't like them, don't get on them. Consumers have a lot of sovereignty in these markets, and we don't need government to go in and mess things up like they normally do. The Cato Institute had a great event on these cases and net choice in general. I put a link to that in the show notes page at vanskin.substack.com. So be sure to check that out and become a subscriber. Come on, only $50 a year. It'll be great help for me and my podcasting and what I'm doing here to spread the good news, but also you'll get more information each and every time that a newsletter comes out. In other news in the national front, there's a fiscal commission, right? And that's being discussed right now by Congress. This is good in theory, but it's unlikely to solve anything and will likely worsen the situation by trying to raise taxes. There's a good paper in the American Economic Review, which is the largest, the, the most popular economic journal that's out there. And, and it was by Alicina, the late economist, Alberto Alicina, which talks about how raising taxes does not help with deficit spending. It's spending is the problem. I've talked a lot about this. This is why we need sustainable budgets. I was on NTD News talking about sustainable budgets recently. You don't want to miss that episode. But raising taxes should be a non-starter. We've got to focus on spending and quote unquote entitlements but to really get something done. I was also on Fox Business recently with Neil Cavuto on Cavuto Coast to Coast. I talked about Speaker, or not Speaker, but Senator McConnell stepping down from minority leader of the Senate of the US Congress. And I think that's a good thing. Look, he's 82 years old. We need somebody else to come in. There's been some good things that he've done over time with you know Supreme Court justices fighting against campaign finance reform. And we got the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. There's been a lot of good things that have been done. Uh, but also, he's been one of the ones that have wanted to push more spending and not rein in government spending and not have as much in tax cuts as we otherwise would. And so I think it's time for somebody else to come. The problem is, is who will be next? I hope it's somebody that's more fiscally conservative and a fiscal hawk and really drives the point home that spending is the problem. So let's see what happens there. I'll put my, again, this interview with Neil Cavuto in the show notes page. Don't want to miss it. It's a great one. There's also the second estimate of real GDP. Remember gross domestic product, the measure of economic output across the 
country. This is the second estimate for the fourth quarter of 2023 numbers, and it was revised slightly down to 3.2%, which if you exclude the unproductive government spending, which is added 0.07 percentage points to that 3.2%, the productive private sector increased by only 2.5%. And that's what we've seen, right? And we've also seen a lot of revisions downward, not only in the jobs market, like we've talked about before, but also a lot of these economic indicators. And I think that we'll continue to see that we're also seeing slower growth in the first first quarter of 2024. And in fact, we've seen consumer confidence start to weaken. It was the first decline in the month of the most recent month compared with three months that were increasing before that. So that's not a good sign on consumer confidence. And then you look at the outlook by consumers. It also weakened to below 80, which indicates recession coming forth. So we'll see how that works out coming up soon. In the state news, I went through a list of the top 10 reasons for universal school choice. You know that I'm a big fan of school choice. Texas needs to have it. We've got almost 10 states that have it across the country now, but we need a lot more, mainly through education savings accounts where parents could be in charge and empowered. But what I went through, as I said, look, and take all the research that I've done and others have done, what are the top 10 reasons for universal school choice? Well, it empowers parents to educate kids. It gives teachers options to work. It improves student outcomes. It reduces reduces poverty. It boosts economic growth. It adds competition with government schools. It helps people reach their full potential. It detaches the place of residence with the school. It celebrates freedom and it reduces incarceration. Why are big ed folks against this? Well, it's about politics, right? They want to win votes and they think that if they do this, they're going to lose votes somehow, but they're not, but they're not looking out for the best for school, you know, for students and for teachers. And so we've really got to get this big educrat sort of situation out of the way so we can have school choice for every family across the state of Texas and across the country. And that would be a great thing. Um, in other Texas news, Texas official promised the largest property tax cut in Texas history. But in my latest commentary at the City Journal notes how that didn't happen. And so I went through, I talked about how they overspent. They didn't provide as much in tax relief as they should have going back to the 06 and you know, the, the, the period of time where they, they, they used $14.2 billion to provide property tax relief. This time was only 12.7 billion. And in fact, when you look at the data from 2023, the latest, which that's the first year of this relief, there was actually an increase in property taxes across the state by $165 million. So this was not the largest property tax cut in Texas history. In fact, it wasn't even a cut overall. And it was the second largest property tax relief, if you want to put it in those terms. So check out that commentary that I had. In other state news, Wyoming had a bad bill, House Bill 203, to raise the sales ta- state sales tax rate by two percentage points, and it would have reduced property taxes. And it would have, it would have, the way they would have done it was by increasing the homestead exemption. There was one bill, initially with this bill, it would have raised it by two, to $200,000 would be your homestead exemption. And then another part of it was after the first year, in the second year, there would be a million dollar exemption. So that would have exempted, I think they said like 97% of all homes. So it almost eliminated that property tax. The problem is, right, is that it would have left the property tax in place and had a higher state sales tax rate. That's not the situation that you want. What you really want to do for a better way is to limit government spending. And then if you want to broaden the sales tax base or raise the rate a little bit, you better eliminate that other tax if you're going to do that. And and by and and whenever you have that spending limit in place, any surplus should buy down that state that state sales tax rate over time. And and so that would be a pro growth approach. 
Or another good measure out there is to limit government spending at the state and local levels and have the state use any surplus money to buy down the school maintenance and operation property tax because it's mainly controlled by the state anyway. And all the local governments should use any of their surplus to buy down their own property tax rates. And if you did that, that's the path to eliminating these taxes. So there's a couple of ways to do it. I like the, 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 you know, the quote unquote swap with a sales tax because it's done immediately and you don't have to worry about these politicians, but you've got to make sure you connect it with spending limits and with spending restraint. If not, you grow government too much. But this other path is also really good about using surplus money to buy it down. My concern with that is it just takes so long and you've got to be reliant on politicians to do the right thing and not spend enough. So we just got to keep putting pressure on them. So that's something else that's going on there. So ultimately, I think Wyoming should reject this bill unless they get something that's re- that limits government spending at the end of the day. Um, on my media hits and more, don't miss my episode with, on the Wake Up America show with Austin Peterson, where we discuss the labor market economy and more. He has a great show. Please go check it out. I put it in the show notes page. Next week, I'll be in Baton Rouge for the Pelican Institute's Technically Speaking Event and Solutions Summit. So there's going to be a great panel that I'll be on called A Fiscal Blueprint for a Brighter Louisiana Future. We're going to have a great discussion about spending limits and sustainable budgets and responsible budgets and all that good stuff. Uh, it's going to be great. So if you're in the Louisiana area or Baton Rouge area, please don't miss it. A lot of my friends will be there as well. So it's going to be a great time. Watch this week's LPP episode on Monday. It's a great discussion on busting tax myths with Cato's Dr. Adam Michelle. Should we tax the rich more? Should the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act expire? That's the sort of things that we talk about. You don't want to miss it overall. The upcoming Let Feel Prosper episode on Monday is going to be with Dr. Dan Mitchell on junk fees, spending limits, and common sense economics. What does all that mean? Don't want to miss this coming Monday's episode. So the quote of the week is by you guessed it, Milton Friedman, if you put the federal government in charge of the Sahara Desert, in five years, there would be a shortage of sand, right? That's what happens when you put government in charge. Government is the problem. We need to get government out of the way. The Bible verse of the week is, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you, Psalms 56, 3. That's where our trust should be. I hope that it is for you. I know it is for me and my family. So let's continue to find ways to prosper. And until next time here on the This Week's Economy Show, I hope you have a great week and a great weekend and let people prosper. And don't forget to share this with your friends and family. And I can't wait to see you next time. Have a great day. 